This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Do you ever get that feeling that you had this idea and everyone's like, really? That is not a good idea. You ever get that? Like when you tell someone, hey, I have an idea. They're like, really? Well, how about you not quit your day job? You ever get that? Well, this next guest got that advice from everybody he knew when he wanted to launch his company. But him and his partner, I don't know how, persevered and launched an incredibly successful business. You're going to love this show. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. He is the co-founder of a network of drug treatment centers, therapy centers in Maryland called BD Health Services, a businesses that he launched himself with obviously some some partners, and really grew it um, from a dream to you know a, a, an unbelievable practice and something that we like to talk about here a lot. Um, and it's an honor to have him on the show. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Charlie. It's a pleasure to be here. So it's, it's great to have you on, and the goal of this podcast is to be able to really give people the tools they need to achieve their own level of success. And that's really what I want to talk about, is um, the BD Health Services, how you started this. Just give us a sense what it is so we understand uh, what is the company that you created. Okay. Um, we offer patients the ability to detox or to live a normal life despite the addictions they have. Uh, we specialize in people who have uh, opiate addictions, which is a uh, heroin addictions, pain pill addictions, and uh, they've reached a point in their lives where they've really had enough of living a life of uh, drug addiction. And uh, when they come into us, they've uh, decided they made the decision it's time to change that lifestyle. And um, we give them, you know, therapy, counseling, group counseling, individual counseling. We also give them uh, the ability to take a medication that can also help them deal with the opiate addiction that plagues them. So not everybody is able to be successful with the 12-step program, and this allows them to really, the medication we give them, methadone, that also helps them being able to um, focus on other parts of their lives while the medication deals with the, uh, you know, the part of their brain that really needs those uh, opiates. 
So here's something that, I, I'm, as I'm hearing you speak, this is something that is incredibly important, I think, for all entrepreneurs and business owners. Um, the idea that what you're, I, I don't know enough about this industry, but I'm only guessing that this is not something that is found, that all that you're offering somebody is not necessarily found in other similar type of facilities. Am I right? It sounds like you're offering a whole panoply of things, group counseling. It's not just you come in and you detox. There's a whole you know, host of other things that you're offering them. Yeah, we try to be like everything under one roof, try to give them many options. Um, yeah, not just a medication center. It's a place to really get counseling, therapy, and uh, an individualized approach where they feel comfortable. Um, you know, we differ from the other centers. We really, really work with them and take them where they want to go as opposed to having them come in and uh, telling them where they need to go and uh, just detoxing them. So we try to offer them a host of services and let them pick which way they want to go with it. So how did you launch it? I mean, give us the beginnings of this. How did you come up with the idea and implement it into something that was, is real? Okay, so um, I uh, wound up getting a master's in counseling at Johns Hopkins. And uh, when I was getting that master's, I decided to specialize in addictions. I saw that there was a big need for that around around my community. And... Um, when I got that master's, uh, part of the requirement to finish the master's is you had to have an internship. And so um, the internship I wound up getting at, was at one of these types of drug treatment centers. I wound up uh, receiving an internship at these drug treatment centers. And at that internship, I saw that there was just a dearth of good treatment centers available for this type of population. Uh, I didn't see treatment centers that knew how to treat these people, I thought, properly. They weren't giving them the TLC, the tender loving care I think these people really deserve that would help them be successful. And also just geographically, the people at the treatment centers when I was working at in my internship were driving a half hour to an hour to get there. So I saw there was a big need for this type of treatment out there. So after that internship, for about four or five years after that, me and a friend, a fellow, a friend of mine, uh, we, we started looking out for the ability to really launch our own uh, center and you know, providing treatment that we felt that uh, these people needed it. So how did you? That's an amazing. Uh, this is an area that I think a lot of people sort of grapple with, and they go, "Okay, how do I start a business? How do I launch a company?" And many companies that I see are really launched by individuals that are experiencing a need themselves, or like in your case, seeing other people firsthand that have a need that aren't currently being treated. And in this case, what sounds like to me is that. There is a treatment centers, right? They're giving the, the patients the medication they need, but it's not the treatment center that's the difference. It's the approach, right? It's the, the like you said, the TLC. It's the, the delivery. It's the customer service that was different. Exactly, yeah. We saw that there wasn't a large amount of treatment options for people to be receiving treatment in a way that we felt we could, they could be, they could appreciate it and recover in a, in a, in a situation where they feel, they feel loved, which is a big aspect of treatment. Um, but uh, our next step was really coming up with capital to start our first treatment center, which is the hurdle that most people go, go, go with, you know, deal with. That's a, that's a, an obstacle for most people. And, um, you know, we had a hard time actually even finding a place to rent from because, you know, unfortunately, there's a big uh, bias against drug-addicted individuals, and many people didn't want that in their uh, office park. So we came Interesting. To, yeah, we even had one place, which we even had a contract ready, and then uh, the guy pulled out from us because he just he was he was too scared of dealing with that type of population. So that was one of the obstacles we had. People didn't want to get rent to a drug treatment center. I'm fascinated by the fact that not only do you have 
capital needs, you also I'm you're also having bias needs. And I'm guessing also people are probably saying, you know, how many drug centers have you ever opened up? Why would I give you money to start? Exactly. Yeah, we didn't have really a, a background success to be able to uh, prove to them that we knew what we were doing, that we were responsible. So, so how'd you overcome it? So, yeah, so we, we came to a realization that renting is not going to be the way we're going to get started. We came to a realization that we're going to have to buy a place, purchase a facility. Oh, wow. Look at that. Go all in. <laughs> exactly. So we said, okay, we're going to have to buy something. So so we tra- we changed our model, and then we started uh, looking at different places to buy. But the problem is, as I said, we had no money. <laughs> so how do you do that? So um, after a couple of years looking, we finally found the right place. It was really uh, an out-of-the-way place that really no one could claim that we were you know, disrupting their, their business or their residence. We found the location that was perfect for it, but it was very expensive. And uh, besides for the just building it, you know, you need cost to just rehab a place and hire staff. We had hired doctors, nurses. I mean, it's not a simple thing to start this. Um, so uh, ultimately what we did is uh, we mortgaged our homes. Um, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, uh, we took out home equity loans against our houses. Me and my partner both did. And uh, we just kept uh, taking, going from there, going from that money to really get things started. And everyone thought we were crazy. <laughs> and um, did you think you were crazy? Yeah, I knew I was crazy. And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, we went to we went to people to invest with us. This is the funny part of it. We went to different community people. Like, hey, we have this project. We want to do this. We can help a lot of people. We feel like there can also be revenues in it. And nobody was really interested. People were just not interested in uh, hearing about. It. They never heard anyone doing this before. They just thought it was just too crazy for them. So no one. No one would really uh, give us time of day, which is, in retrospect, a blessing in disguise because it wound up being just, you know, we got full equity of the of the, of the business in that because that was the model we went. This is a great. This is like the. I, I think this is like the sort of comeback kid story <laughs> of entrepreneurship. I mean, I, I I can't even begin to tell you how. Many times you hear about people that mortgage their homes, but you get to like meet them so few, you know, then you like delve into the story and it's like, well, I didn't really mortgage my home. I, 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 you know, my friend, my parents, this is, this is like a real story of, of two individuals that believe in something so much in the world disagreed with them. Um, and you had no experience. It's not like you were running drug treatment centers on your own for 20 right. years and said, hey, now it's time for me to go out on my own and do my own drug treatment. You just had this idea after being basically an intern or whatever right. the equivalent of being in your, in your doctor, in your, in your, pro, your graduate program. Right. So, so I guess the question that I'm thinking and I think people listening are thinking is, all right, where did you, how, do you, how did you know or did you know that this was the right move? You know, when you made the decision to mortgage your home, this obviously was, you know, the equivalent of going all in on your chips in a game of Texas Hold'em. So where did you, where did you draw the confidence from knowing that this is a smart business move um, that will ultimately at least keep your, your house intact? Well, before I answer that, I'll tell you how, how crazy it was. It was even crazier than you would believe. To, uh, let me know. Okay, it gets even crazier. I mean, it was, it was rough. Um, so we found this one property. We spent a couple of years lo- <clears throat> looking for a property that we thought would be, um, you know, respectful for the community that would be in a fair place. And we found this one property. It was perfect. It was in the right location, but there was no parking there. And in order to build a center, you needed parking. And to make a long story short, basically, um, our engineer found a way to 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 make it. Had a long shot idea of how how to do it. 
which I can't go into the extent of it now, but it was a crazy risk. It was, you know, like throwing the ball at the has I got the at the at the basket at the last second. A little crazy shot he told us to do, and he said there's a chance it may work, and this would make it approved this way, making a parking lot this model. And so we did his idea, and I'll just tell you, you know, two three months before we got we got approved, there were neighborhood meetings discussing you know what's going on here, and they were these neighbors were were saying like how did they do this? They didn't couldn't figure out how we were able to do it, and. We had, you know, again, our engineer had this clever way of doing it, and it was one of the roughest times of, of, of my life. But how did I do it, as you asked? I kept saying to my partner, I'm normally the more of the anxious one. I said, Moshe, like, are we crazy? And he kept telling me, saying, he kept saying, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen here. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have you mean in Baltimore because that's where the centers, Maryland, that's no, where the centers are. And that's no, the no, near. no he, I'm sorry. I, I, maybe I wasn't clear, Charlie. He kept saying to me, He's saying, if we're going to start a clinic, it's going to be at this location because we've spent two years looking at every possible location and only this location fits. This this is really made for it. He says, so this is our one chance. We're going to go for it and let's, we're going to put everything down on this and let's go for it. And if, if we don't, we don't, at least we can say we tried. So this brings up, I think, an important point that um, people need to think about with regards to entrepreneurship and, and greatness and things like that, which is when I hear you tell your story, my first thought is, um, you know, of the two guys that are you know they have this idea they leave their company they mortgage their homes and then it goes well that's not the case here this is the case of two guys that have an idea and spend multiple years you said two years at least right thinking trying trying to rent coming up so your this concept sort of gave itself you know two at the minimum two years of just sort of settling in your mind. And I'm sure you went to bed multiple nights saying like, um, you think this is a good idea to your wife? Like, you sure? I'm sure you, you tossed and turned. You, you took long walks. You, you, your, your gut had time to sort of go through the research so that when you made that ultimate risk analysis, you and your partner said, we're not just – this isn't the first building we saw. This idea can work. We've been thinking about it for two years. We have a check against each other. We've been looking at neighborhoods. We don't think we can rent. And so was it that you had this time to sort of constantly think about it and research it that gave you both this confidence to say the whole world's going against us on this and nobody thinks this is going to work? But yet we really believe, and we're not just making this up, and this isn't like a fad, right? This isn't something that I came up with last Tuesday that this can be something real. That's a great point, Charlie. Yeah, I think that's it. I never really thought about it myself. But I think because we we spent I think maybe three four years looking for locations, looking for the right place. And because we put so much time and effort into doing our due diligence, looking for the right way of doing it, once we found it, we're ready to go all in because we know we were responsible looking. And we realized if it's going to happen, it's going to happen here. And at least we can say we tried our best if it doesn't work. So I think it's because we put so much time and effort and working on where it should be, we're really, we were willing to put everything on the line to make it happen. Yeah, I, I think that's something that people don't appreciate. I'd love to get your take on this, is that I find that today there is this like pressure for individuals to achieve success. There is, you go into a job and it's like, when am I, you know, when am I taking over? You know, you, you feel right away if you're climbing a ladder that you want to get to the top of the ladder. You know, people now see every day a story of some 20 something year old that just, you know, created some company and sold it out for billions of dollars. And there's a sense that success happens in 
the time frame that goes from the idea to the execution. And I think the more I talk to people that are successful, that means it's not just like, yeah, everyone gets an easy pitch and can hit it over the fence. I mean, a lot of people are you know, making money or doing the right thing because either, either things were handed them on a silver platter by parents or in-laws or it's because they got lucky. And you know, that's all great and fine and everyone should win, everyone should be wonderful. But people that actually have the longevity in their careers, I find that there really is a period of time of quiet, underneath the covers, nobody paying attention, work and and thought and, uh, and patience to really hone and hone and hone the idea to to get to a level where you can then say, we've done everything on our end to know what's right and wrong, and now we're confident enough to make some big, bold moves. Yeah, I think that that's a great way of uh, stating it. I think that's really what we were doing. So, so let's go. Let's go a little deeper now, because now that I have you on it, what were you using during the period of time? Was it just blind in a way confidence? I've seen a lot of people do this. I mean, I've seen and experienced tons of moments where entrepreneurs and business leaders are facing disaster. And they just wake up in the morning. They don't want to think about it. They just go headstrong through it all, and they make it. What were you using during these first bit, these first periods of time where you're you mortgage? Now you've mortgaged your house. You know it's all fun and games until you actually have to sign documents and spend money, right? <laughs> so now you know you, you you did it. You know you, you're doing it. It's real. You're you're borrowing against your homes. You're 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 paying for you know construction you're you know reaching out to, to professionals in which you don't have necessarily the connections for what are you drawing from in terms of a uh, a skill a value a thought that is enabling you during the realness of this to move it from an idea to something that's real i think I, I hear what you're asking. I think it all started. I remember when we first signed the the documents to to get approved for our own home equity loans. I remember actually I was in Israel at the time, and my partner was working on that uh, in America, and he was and he was uh, sending me the, the faxes back and forth, and I was signing it. And I had this feeling I couldn't explain it. This certain excitement that was that I felt bubbling up inside myself, and I didn't. I wasn't even expecting it. A certain hope, excitement for the future that. I, I don't know if it's your gut. I don't know what it is, but I had a certain hopeful feeling, an exciting feeling, and, and I felt something good was going to come to that, come to this once I started that project. And I and I think anytime things got a little tough, I was able to go back to that excitement, positive feeling within myself, and it really just kept me going. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's a, is that is that clear. Yeah, it's totally clear. I mean, the, the, I guess the question is, what what I'm hearing you say is. When you're in a period of crisis, which I'm sure you guys experienced multiple times in the beginning, especially, you were draw you were trying to draw your energy from the initial excitement and the hopefulness when it was still clear. Yeah, that that's what kept us going. That uh, that gut feeling that there's something co- going to come from this, and I didn't, I don't even know I didn't even know what it was. I just felt something was positive going to develop from this, and, uh, and that kept me going even though the, the during the tough times, difficult times. And and when you say positive, you mean positive financially. You just mean positive financially and beneficial for the community. Both, yes, yes, both of them. It's beneficial for the community, beneficial financially, beneficial for my my lifestyle that I'd be able to 
be in this position to be able to help so many people all around. It was just a, it was just something deep down within myself knew that there was something going to, going to sprout from this. That would be really amazing. Do you think you'd be, you would have been able to launch this business had it not had a benefit the way it has to the community? I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like what's driving you here is, you know, somewhere in the realm of social entrepreneurship where you're, you have an idea for a business and you charge people for it, I'm sure. But the, the idea sort of sprouted from this, um, larger, uh, um, distaste, if you will, from how people are being treated and how ultimately individuals that are in a certain demographic that are trying to, you know, overcome addictions have to sort of suffer through the current system. So it sounds to me that what a part of this is your, 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 your feelings of trying to change the world, to make a difference, to do good things. You think you could have pulled it off with that same level of, of energy and vigor had it just been like, you know, here's a great way to make money. Here's a great way to sort of package finance, you know, finances. Like, or is it that half of this was that you're, you're really doing, you know, doing good in the world? Um, for sure. What drew me to it and what I think helped it be more successful is that I'm being able to help people. But I think that doesn't only have to be in the, as they call the helping profession. I think in any business that I would have devoted myself to, it had to have been something that I'm providing a service to the world that's really helping people in a meaningful way. And um, I, I think if I would have, if I, if I, if I would have seen that service <clears throat> that would help people in a meaningful way, I'd be interested in being part of it. Like, the example, like a GPS, I think, you know, that's a great service that helps people when they're driving. Like, I would I would have been interested in help in being part of that service as well. Interesting. So, I, and I think this is an area that is only developing, but something that I I wonder if this is part of it, and and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Is that when I speak to people that are really achieving what what you the level when I when I mean success, I don't mean just you know how much money or how how successful the company is. I, I'm I'm what I'm interested when I'm talking to people and I'm seeing that. They did what you're doing, which is the world says you're crazy, right? That's sort of been this general entrepreneurial, like, sort of legacy. You know, like, I read a stat that people um, didn't invest in Henry Ford's motor company because the, the doctors, the scientists at the time felt that if a body would go over 15 miles an hour, it would disintegrate. And like that was one of the reasons people said this is a bad idea. And like when you know the Wright brothers was toying around with the, the airplane, they said you know the common way of thinking was if God gave us wings, He would have wanted us to fly. And this sort of general like the world thinks you're crazy before you the few people that are as Apple commercial once said crazy enough to think they can change the world, which are the ones that do. And I wonder if. The people that are trying to change the world and go headstrong against the current really can do it unless they believe that what they're trying to do has some ramifications beyond just financial. Financial, And they really feel like what they're doing is going to in some way be a benefit, benefit to society. I don't mean it has to be a nonprofit charity, but driving planes, you know, like you said, GPS, treatment centers, something that what you're really doing is – is giving the world something better, you know, than than when then it had before your business came along. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. But it is true that what the line of work that I picked is a little bit more clear to see that when you're helping a person who's, you know, total his life is total mess, and when you give him this treatment, he can act live a normal life. It's so 
brings so much satisfaction to a person to know that you can change a person's life. And so it's sometimes a little bit clearer in this, in this model, and it makes it much easier to get up every day knowing that you're helping people in such a meaningful fashion. Did you ever have a moment once you launched and once you spent all the money and once you were already in on it that, that it, you made the wrong decision? Was there ever a moment of self-doubt where you said, um, you know what, maybe I made the wrong call. Maybe they were all right. And um, I, I, either either the idea is not good or we're just not equipped to do the idea? Um, I know many people, as I said, told me that. I mean, even attorneys were telling me, you're, you're out of your mind, you're crazy, you just you – just, you guys, are, you guys are crazy. I was told that many times. I don't think I ever believed it. I didn't think I ever let it get to me. I just, my partner and I were focused on a mission and we just didn't let what people said get to us and we just ignored it and kept plowing forward. And you, did you have it internally? Did you feel internally the, the, the feeling of what am I doing? Did you ever have that self-doubt even if the world had the doubt? Um, no, I just I just felt that this this is where I need to go right now and I, and I felt so driven by it to just... I didn't, I didn't doubt. I didn't doubt it at all. Um, wow! I saw a great quote the other day. It was, um, it was it, it, this guy was. Uh, the, the quote came from a surgeon, and he was giving advice to somebody else. And he said um, that when you're in surgery, once you decide to cut someone open, there's no going turning back. You know, there may be a blood clot or a hemorrhage or something, but that's just an obstacle in your way. But there's no like mid-surgery, oh no, bad idea, I'm just going to pull out now and let's see what happens tomorrow. When you're in, you're in to the end. Do you find that to be incredibly important for, for entrepreneurs? The, the ability to sort of take the time early to make the decision what they should sort of do surgery on or what business they should start. And then once it's started, to just go headstrong until – there's a clear sense of this can work or can't work. Yeah, I think uh, an entrepreneur has to do that because there are just so many walls on the way, so many obstacles that are they're going to stop you. And then if if you if you start doubting yourself, the first obstacle comes, you'll just turn around and never go forward. But if you've done your homework and you realize that this is what I need to be doing now, and this is you know where my future is and where I can really make a difference in the world, the obstacles just don't stop you. You just keep moving around them and one by one by one until you see the light. And it took us maybe, even after we opened up our clinic, we had so many obstacles that came to try to stop us. It took about a, a year. And then after the first year, we started seeing the light and it was, we were able to relax a little bit. But you have to keep plowing forward and, and not, uh, not let the obstacles affect you at all. And, when, and then once you, you launched one, you had another and another. Now you're up to four already, right? Now you're just sort of building one after the other. Right. We're, we're, we're building one after another and we're trying to also um, – quality-wise, improve the, the services we have and add more services and see what we can do about that. So quantity and quality-wise, we're just we're trying to grow in that way. So did, did you feel when you first started, and I keep on asking because I know there's a lot of people that listen to the show that are, uh, whether they're starting their own companies or they're in their own divisions, and I, I think personally one of the greatest impediments to starting something is the feeling of I'm not an expert in it. And that's something that I think really affects people. People feel that... Yeah, I'd love to start this business, and I think it, it's needed, but I'm not an expert in it. Like, I didn't go to school for that. And there's so many, you know, so, there's so much, you know, uh, thought that goes into this, like, you know, this doubt of, yeah, had I been, you know, this, or had I been this, or had I been, a, you know, a, a computer scientist, or had I been a trader, or had I been a lawyer, or had I, you know, had I is a great way to open up with why I can't. And this is an industry that seems to me that, 
is really right down this fairway where you've got to deal with doctors and nurses and you know the government and there's so many pieces to this where you may have felt that you just weren't equipped for it even if you thought that the needs of the community were there. So how'd you get around that? How'd you get around the you know you're not qualified to make this happen feeling and then and how'd you make it happen? What did you do to become qualified? Yeah, I think that, that that's hitting on a good point. That is true when we, we really were opening it up. We weren't experts. I mean, we had some experience, as you mentioned. I mentioned earlier, I was an intern at one center. But I had to go from an intern to really being the CEOs of having all these doc- doctors and nurses and counselors and, and supervising them. So what I had to do was just, I had to, thank God, I was friendly with the other clinics in the area, and they were very kind to us. And I constantly just, they were they helped me out every step of the way. I would call, I had different people, I would call and ask questions, and this came up and ask another question about this, and call someone up about this and study. And just one by one, you know, when you have that draw, inner drive to understand something, it's, it really, really uh, goes a long way to, to get clarity quick in a quick fashion to understand things. And whatever we couldn't understand, we were smart enough to hire consultants and bring them in to really uh, fill up those gaps. Because, um, you know, there were I've seen other people who, who have made many mistakes, and one of the mistakes were besides, they didn't realize that they, they weren't experts and they didn't have those consultants and they got in trouble and they're, they're – they're, uh, their businesses uh, suffered for that. So the answer is, again, I studied by other people and brought in consultants to, to take us where we need to go. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, was, I was talking to um, an individual the other day that was an investor in multiple companies, and he said to me something very similar. He said that in today's day and age, the access to information is so much easier than it ever was that you can literally just get experts in the room and ask them questions and take them to the next level. And I think that's something that most of us don't fully appreciate, that with a little bit of work, you can hire a consultant. People, I think, are being, in a way, penny-wise and dollar-foolish and saying, hey, why would I pay a consultant if I can learn it myself? But what I'm hearing you say is, if you have an idea, if you have a project, you can be smart enough about it on your own, if you're willing to be a learner, and then wherever you're really missing, just you can pay, if you will, to hire the talent to help you get through it. Yeah, that, that was a... we wouldn't have been able to do it without those great consultants who got us started and set us up. And we're really blessed to have some people from the state who had just retired when we opened up and they were right available. They were available for us to really, they came in and really took us to the next level and, and really were just angels who made it happen. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the role of the entrepreneur. I mean, I think most people see the entrepreneur and the business leader as the guy who has to know everything. But I would say it's the other way. I would think the entrepreneur, the business leader is the guy or the woman who says that I don't really know everything and my job is to figure out how to get all that knowledge. And so some of it can come from my own brain, some of it can can come from employees, and some of it can just come from outside consultants or tapping the wisdom of somebody else. Um, And and once you see yourself in that capacity it, it allows you to do a lot more than every if it just all goes through one person's head yeah that, that was uh very helpful having it but um what separated you know us and the rest is for some reason people just don't believe in themselves i mean let's go back to the other point i was thinking about just many people you know work in these industries and they just they never think that they can do it and i think that the, the, what separates an entrepreneur to the non-entrepreneur is the entrepreneur says yeah i can do that and then I just got to figure out how other people just figure, oh, I'm not that type to do it. And then they, they never get it done. So I think it's just having that belief in yourself that I can do this is really is really what separates the men from the mice. Yeah, I think it's a great it's a great point that most people say they, they get, but they don't fully get. 
because you know you can believe in yourself when you're just reading books and watching documentaries or you know dreaming at your desk. Um, but do you really believe in yourself? And that's something that is something that a lot of us need to work on. To the extent in which we don't fully have that self confidence, it's hard to push through when the ideas come in and you got to ask, am I really the guy to do it or when times get tough? And so let me ask you this. I mean, this is, I guess, the next question, which is, did you always have that feeling of believing in yourself or is that something that you, you, you made yourself have, you developed over time? I think, um, <clears throat> I think it developed over time. I think through other experiences I've had in my life when I was able to learn and do things that um, were not necessarily given to me in an easy way, um, showed me that the only thing holding us back is our own belief. That The only thing holding us back is ourselves. And once we just change our paradigm and saying, well, I can do that, then the sky's the limit. So I think it's, 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 a, it's a trait that I, I was able to build up within myself after uh, learning and learning having other successes in er- other areas of my life. Yeah, so you see a success, you go back and go, okay, maybe I don't think much of myself, but hey, look what happened last month or last year. I'm not so bad. And you get that in your head and you go again and you keep on pushing and you go again. And you get to a place where you start to realize that your your batting average is pretty high. Yeah, and I think it's not even that much conscious. Like, whoa, that other time I was successful, I was able to overcome that other challenge. It's more of just, it just it becomes more subconscious, I think, in my own mind after all those different successes that built up that feeling of mind. Like, why not? Why not? And uh, it helps me, you know, in each step of uh, my journeys. Yeah. So one last question. I know that that you're running and we appreciate your time. You know, you get pitched a lot of ideas. You get pitched a lot of companies and projects to get involved in. Um, What are you looking for when someone comes in front of you and says, hey, I got this great idea? What are the things that stand out in front of you as uh, reasons why you would or wouldn't get involved in something? Okay. Um, Well, first thing I look at is who is the person behind it? Because I do get pitched uh, different ideas all the time, but the, you know, the difference is again who was the guy and who was his track record, and um, that's the number one thing I look at: who the person, who is the person. Um, the second thing I would look at is: is the idea something that we people need, or is just a nice added benefit to life? So I'm not sure if, that, if that's uh, yeah, totally that's, that's clear because. We always, every, every, anything could be a nice thing, and it could be successful. But if I'm going to invest in, let's say, uh, a new uh, again a new concept, it's got to be like a no-brainer. Like when this thing comes to fruition, this is going to be a no-brainer to everyone that we really need this. Not just that, oh, that'd be nice to have this thing as well. So you're saying that it's not you're right. This isn't a another thing that people are going to go to. It's got to be that once this gets into the world, people are going to obviously want to access it. They're going to need it, and, and you just can't live without it. It's just this is just like a. Just it makes so much sense in so many different ways. Just financially, you know, in every way, everyone's going to want this this item. So I, I try to look at look at that, and that again separates the men from the mice because everyone has an idea that it'll just be there's a cool thing we can have. But I like to look at something that really is just again when I look at it, just this is a real need that the world really needs, and we have to get it out there. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Any others? So after the person, after that. Um, I like to see who else is involved with it, who, what other investors have, have looked at it, because uh, if there's people who I trust who've, 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 uh, who appreciate it, that means a lot to me as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I like to, I mean, personally, I like to diversify when I invest in something which the, uh, 
the the smaller risk investments, which which have a more steady gain, to an investment which may be a higher risk, but there better be an, a, a big uh, upside to it as well. So I always like to look right. for a balance of those different types of investments as well. Amazing, amazing, Jason. I know that your time is valuable, and you, you joined us, uh, you know, at a tough time, and we appreciate you being here. Uh, and and I thank you for your for your insights and your wisdom, and we look forward to having you back on the show sometime soon. Thanks, Charlie. I really enjoyed being here. It's more than just events. It's what they mean to your life. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari.